Ag State of Mind, Episode 17. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast powered by the Global Ag Network. I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and today on the show we have Ben Gottschall. He is a dairy farmer from Nebraska. Ben and I connected over Facebook after he heard me on the Clay Connery podcast, Working Cows podcast. So uh, we talk a little bit about his history, his background in farming and ranching, and a little bit about his degree he went to college for. And we spent a lot of the episode talking about having a town job versus ranching or farming full-time. And to me, that's something I struggle with immensely. I have responsibilities to both my family and to my job and also to the ranch that the cattle herd that I own and manage. And so it's a big thing that I struggle with myself and trying to find a balance. I said that previously, I'm not sure you ever really find a balance, but something that you are able to compartmentalize your life into the different things that you do. So um, I had a really great time talking to Ben about that. But before we get started at the interview, I again ask you to go check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Leave us a review there. Reviews help us to, like I say in previous episodes, to get out in front of a broader audience. So uh, leave us a review and make sure you leave a worded review if you have the time. Give people your thoughts on the show and how maybe it's helped you or some of the takeaways that you've had. We always appreciate reading those, and from here on out, I will start reading some of those on the air. So uh, please do that. I would greatly appreciate it. And also go check us out on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash agstateofmind. Go over there. You can find out ways to support us and support the show. We appreciate any donations to help us keep this show going. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Ben Gottschall. Hello, Ben. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So if you don't mind, would you give me a little bit of background both into your life in agriculture and to me, I feel like you have a very unique educational background as well. So give me a little bit of info, a little bit of background on both of those areas. Okay. Well, I was born and raised on a cattle ranch in the Nebraska Sandhills. My family ranched there since the mid-30s. I was primarily a beef ranch all those years, but then when I was about six, five, six years old, my dad built a dairy parlor and started milking cows as well. We always milked a cow or two before that for our own, you know, milk and cream and stuff. He went into the commercial dairy business, so we ran both beef and dairy cattle then. And so I started milking cows when I was about nine years old. Did a lot of work on the ranch in the hay field uh, when I was young. Back in the day, we used to stack hay uh, with the big hay stackers. We didn't start baling until mid-90s. So I milked cows growing up, got my first Jersey cow when I was 10 years old, and decided that I wanted to build my own herd and kind of have just never stopped doing that. So 
kind of always had my cow herd. Jersey cows is what I have. And so I've managed dairies. I've worked as a herdsman on dairies. And I've also operated my own dairy on a leased property. Uh, so now I live down by Raymond, Nebraska, and I have a 20 acre headquarters that's my own property. And then I lease custom graze another 300 acres, give or take, depending on the year and how much grass and how many cows I'm trying to run. And I raise uh, grass fed Jersey genetics. I sell bulls and frozen semen and ship those all over the country, sell breeding stock, uh, in addition to doing primarily raw milk on the farm sales. Up until last year, I was running Artisan Cheese Plant, where we made our own cheese, sold that direct, and also pasteurized and bottled milk, and made a couple other products like butter and cream, things like that. So as far as educational, <laughs> I did not go to an ag school. I went to Nebraska Wesleyan University and got a degree in English and did my thesis in poetry. <laughs> and then I went and got a master's degree in creative writing at the University of Idaho. <laughs> And, you know, did my master's thesis in poetry and then came back to Nebraska and taught English at the same school that I went to for a few years before I started doing full-time farming and as well as some other nonprofit work. So that's kind of what I've been up to. Wow, that's really interesting because to me, and maybe it's different, maybe I'm a little sheltered, I don't know, but I don't know of many people who grew up on a farm, worked the farm. I mean, you're not just playing it. You're, I mean, it's for real. You know, it's not like you had one or two cows. I mean, it's you had a full functioning farm and ranch. And then you went to school for English and poetry. Uh, how I'm, I'm, I'm curious, how did that come about? Well, I always had loved to read books. I was an avid reader as a kid, and I read just about anything I could get my hands on. And I have a I have an older brother that's about 10 years older than me. And he was also an English major at the same school I went to. And so he would send me books and I just read a lot. And in high school, one of my favorite classes was English. I just enjoyed literature and I enjoyed writing. That's just part of who I am. So then when I went to college, it was basically because of my interest in that. I didn't 100% decide on English creative writing major until about halfway through, but it was always something that I had done. You know, I took a poetry class my sophomore year and just the way he taught poetry and thought about poetry and made me think and feel about poetry really opened up my eyes and I just really enjoyed it and I just kind of stuck with it and I just never looked back but the cattle you know that was always a part of it and you know I sold part of my herd to partially pay for college and I went home and worked on the ranch in the summers and just kind of always maintain that because that was another passion of mine that I just never wanted to put down. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. That's how I kind of operated myself is it's incredibly difficult to find that. And I don't think you ever truly find that balance between that town job that you talk about and the life on the ranch, life on the farm. It's an incredibly difficult thing to manage. And I kind of want to talk to you about that. We talked previously about that. And you know, what is your take on that? And what is the proper way to understand the importance of the decision of whether you have a town job versus when you go to work full time? You mentioned the word balance, and it's all about balance, not just in the act of balancing where you're, you know, managing the two kind of sides of your life, I guess you might say, 
but also achieving balance, like the state of balance where these different parts of who you are and things that you, you know, do to make money or do because you enjoy that make you feel like yourself, you know, that make you feel like the individual person that you are. And so, for example, when I was teaching college English, you know, teaching literature and poetry and stuff like that, and then, you know, working as a herdsman, to me, that was an ideal balance because I could express myself creatively and with my academic job and then go back to the farm and get up the next morning and milk cows and move the cows on pasture and, you know, have all the benefits and and enjoyment of that job uh, and challenges too. So to me, I've never felt right having one or the other. I don't know why, but as you mentioned, along with that, there can be a lot of anxiety around that because, you know, you have to balance your schedules. There's always that kind of anxiety that you're not a real farmer, you know, because like you don't do it full time. And, uh, you know, there's a fear maybe even of quitting your off farm job to farm full time because, you know, a lot of times your off farm job is what maybe provides your health insurance. You know, so there's definitely some financial benefits to having that job. You know, if you got an education to get your off farm job, there's that anxiety that you, you know, if you were to farm full time, you're wasting your education (laughs) Uh, and maybe you have student loan debt. So you're like, man, I should really be doing something. I mean, why did I go to school if if I'm not going to work in the field that I've been trained in? (laughs) So there's all those things I think are part of the, the anxiety, I guess, around that. Yeah, it's an incredibly difficult thing to compartmentalize. I know for me, it's something I struggle with immensely and something I've talked to my wife about this. I've talked to other friends about this, other people who are kind of in the same situation where I would love nothing more to run a cow herd full time and, you know, maybe one day become more vertically integrated and kind of insulate myself from some of the unknown factors, you know, as far as markets and trade goes. But like you said, when you have an education, and for me, it was an education as a pharmacist, you feel a certain obligation to yourself, to your parents, to the people who you serve, to go ahead and fulfill that role outside of agriculture, because there are other people who are depending on it. And There are people who counted on you, you know, maybe before and even after to to fill that role. And like you said, there's certain family dynamics that come with it. I know that's a big part for me with having four boys is making sure that our family is taken care of and making sure that we have a security. And that's not to say that that farmers can't have security. But, you know, when you're working for yourself, it's much more difficult and I'm not sure the the totally right answer here, and I think it's different for everyone, um, different for everyone's situation, but it's a something that's much more complex than maybe someone outside would maybe think it is. Yeah, and you mentioned that outside, well, you know, so anxiety can, or stress or pressure, whatever you want to call it, sometimes that comes from within, sometimes that comes from the outside. I mean, how many times do you see news articles about, you know, the farming economy where off-farm employment is used as an indicator of economic failure. So like, it's almost like if you have an off-farm job, it's just like proof that your farm business is not sustainable. 
But, you know, is that always the case? You know, is your off-farm job a necessity or is it a choice? Right. You know, if, if you didn't have that job, would the farm business fail? You know, that's these are questions that aren't often aren't asked in that context. It's just like, oh, well, that person has a job off the farm. They're not a real farmer. They must not be a very good farmer either, or else they'd be making enough money that they wouldn't need to work. Maybe, and maybe that's true. Maybe there is some inefficiency on the farm, you know, especially if you're young, starting out or, you know, trying something new. But the question, I think, is the off-farm job, the cause of that inefficiency? Or were you inefficient to begin with? And then, you know, you had to get a job as a result of that. You know, so there's just a lot of questions that aren't asked, you know, when talking about it. And so a lot of that anxiety that, for example, that I might feel from outside myself, it's because, you know, farming isn't one size fits all. Not every farm is the same. Not every farmer or rancher is the same. We don't all have the same goals. To me, I think uh, if you look at it holistically, like I, I'm, I'm a big fan of holistic management. I've studied it. I'd like to study more of it. But, you know, what if your holistic goal is like, for example, for me, one of my holistic goals for my business is to be able to have creative expression as part of my life, whatever form that might take on. Another holistic goal of mine is to do something for my community, you know, to try to make the community or, you know, the world, I guess you might say, a better place. Well, how does that fit into, you know, having an off-farm job? For example, something I've done in the past, like working for a nonprofit. Again, it's just, it's all how you, it's all what your goals are and how you ask questions about your business and your life that kind of help you think through these things when, when you're feeling the stress of the balance act. I'll take it even in a, in another direction. And I'll say, who says that, who says that the farm, the agriculture enterprise has to be your only form of income? Where does it say that that makes or breaks you as a quote unquote real farmer, or real rancher? That's your only enterprise. I read somewhere that, and I mean, I'm far from a millionaire, but the average millionaire has at least eight income streams. So if we're going to treat it as a business, as it should be, maybe there's another way, you know, to make it more profitable. And maybe it doesn't take all of your attention. And like I said earlier, maybe you're wasting your time and talents focusing all of them on one thing. And it's a much more complex question, like I said earlier, than just a simple yes or no. Absolutely. And, you know, a couple of questions that you could ask is, does it supplement the farm business or does it subsidize it? You know, is it just like you said, is it another form of income, another income stream? Or is it like the only way you're able to be able to afford to feed your cows? You know, <laughs> So and again, it goes back to that question, would the farm business be unsustainable without it? Mm -hmm. um, I think in a lot of cases, you know, the answer might be no. But, you know, it's really up to the individual person and their farm or ranch and their family. You know, a lot of times you see only one of the spouses works off farm or maybe even both of them. And, you know, does that provide a benefit for the farm business? You know, that's the question is like, what do you gain in your farming life from having that off-farm job? I think those are the kinds of questions that intrigue me. Right. So I want to shift it a little bit here. And I want to talk about the dairy industry specifically and what is happening there. You guys are going through 
a lot of things that are starting to kind of go under and you're reading about dairies going out of business all the time. I know here around here in the Ozarks of Missouri, there used to be a lot more dairies. You'd be very hard pressed to find a dairy within a hundred miles of me right now. And what is that like working in an industry where from perceived as a lot of turmoil going on? Well, it's in a word, it's depressing. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing. Yeah. It's also, I want to say aggravating because you see these talented people that, that are doing what they love and there just doesn't seem to be a way for them to continue doing it. And to me, that's kind of the saddest thing. But, you know, you, you look at the news articles and you see even the big corporations are going out of business. You know, Dean Foods declared Chapter 11, Borden. Yeah, I think in the article it said that we've lost like 2,700 dairies in the last 18 months and 800 in the state of Wisconsin in 2019. When you think about it, that's insane. Like I saw this happening early, you know, early on in my life, you know, in the mid nineties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was just the other day. When we started milking, um, there was a local cheese company. It was about 40 miles away from our ranch. And, you know, they would send trucks out to all the little dairies, you know, there's, you know, everybody, I say everybody, it seemed like just about every, you know, quarter section had a, milking parlor where they milk, you know, 20 or 30 cows. And at that time, what became DFA or became part of DFA, I should say, was Mid-America Dairy Farm. That cooperative bought the little cheese plant. And I don't even know if they operated it for a year and then closed it down. And so then our closest milk market was in Omaha, which was four hours away. And so you can imagine, of course, that they started charging us to come pick up our milk. You know, we had to pay, which isn't uncommon now, but back then that was a new thing. You know, back then, either an independent trucking company or the plant itself ran the trucks and you just supplied the milk and they paid you the price. Then they said, well, you guys got to pay a haul fee because we're hauling your milk 250 miles away. Then they became part of DFA and that was our only option. If you were going to milk cows in that whole region, you know, Nebraska's a fairly big state and you know in that if you're out in the middle of it you're a long ways away from anywhere that was our only option for selling milk there was nowhere else to sell it and so when things started to get tight in the mid 90s mid to late 90s what option did we have if when the prices went down and our input costs went up there's just this squeeze where you don't have any control over your input costs or your you know your pay price Unless you do something completely outside, you know, the, the norm of thinking, a paradigm shift, as you know, you've heard people say, that's what happened to us. My dad, he decided he had seen some articles in some farm papers, and I think he'd even gone to a couple conferences. But you know, there's these guys doing grass-fed dairy, organic, not new then, but there wasn't very many people doing it in our neck of the woods. And so he decided, you know, what we're gonna do, we're gonna go grass-fed, we're going to go organic, we're going to sell milk, sell raw milk, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to sell food to people. I remember the day he told me, you know, he said, you know, Ben, it, you might think that our job is milk and cows, but it's not. Our job is providing food for people. So what we're doing now is not a commodity, it's food. And so that way of thinking then got us through. We had to downsize, we had to change our genetics, we switched from conventional big humongous Holstein cow to your little you know eight nine hundred pound jersey 
you know, we used New Zealand genetics and started developing our own. But not a lot of people had that option. You know, some people making that transition is too difficult for any number of reasons, or they're just beat down and tired. You know, it that takes a lot out of you when you wake up every morning and milk those cows and you know that you're not making any money. In fact, you just you might as well just be running that milk down the drain because you're not you're not making it. That really can take a lot out of you. And I don't fault anyone for feeling like it's time to quit, you know, because it's a tough way to make a living when you can't make ends meet. Well, there's way too much work. There's way too much involved in it for it not to be enjoyable. And in the beef side, it's not near as labor intensive as dairy. Um, I'll admit that. But it is significant work and it takes a significant part of your time, a significant part of your money, a significant part of your of your soul, really, to do all these things. And it's totally not worth it if you don't enjoy it and if you don't get something besides monetary gain out of it. And I think that's a big part of dictating what we do and how we do it. Is it fun? Is it enjoyable? Last week on the show, we had Dave Pratt, and that's a big part of what they teach at Ranching for Profit is enjoying ourselves, you know, having a healthy land, happy families, profitable businesses. That's their mission statement. And, you know, it's a huge part of the way we all should be farming and ranching is putting those things at the forefront. Absolutely. And that's where even if you're quote unquote doing what you love, it can get to that point where it's just not fun anymore. And that's the point where, for me anyway, my off farming or outside interests or hobbies or occupations, that's where that has actually helped me. You know, when you have an off farm job, you might not be the decision maker in that job. And that can be a huge relief from the stress of things on the farm. Because when you have control or autonomy, I guess you might say, when you're your own boss, so to speak, it also carries a burden. There's a huge amount of shame if you fail. And even if it's not your fault, you still feel it. You still feel like it was you and all your bad decisions or bad luck, or just, you know, inadequacies. <laughs> so the off-farm job where you don't have those pressures, where it's doing something, getting your paycheck, and you might be doing something that you enjoy and, and care about, but you just might not have that pressure of being the guy that's running things. No, I get that for sure. That's incredibly accurate kind of portrayal of my life sometimes. I feel like it's time cattle go to market. It's time to wean calves. It's time to process calves. All that's being done, the head decision maker is you. It's your operation. There's nobody that's going to tell you what to do. You've got to do it and you've got to live with the consequences. And that's for any small business owner. So to have a job where it's in town and it kind of takes some of that pressure off of that. And that's something I know that provides value for me and my life and my sanity and my mental health for sure. And it's something I, I'm maybe not sure I really saw it in that capacity until we talked here today. So if we haven't helped anybody else, you've helped me. So I appreciate that. Yeah, well, and there is that social element of it where if you're going to town and chances are you have coworkers or at least you you see people, you know, and it because it can get kind of lonely out there full time on the on the ranch, you know, especially if you live in a more remote area, you know, where I grew up, but we were 1,300 miles or sorry, 20 miles from the nearest town of 1,300 people, 
And so, you know, we didn't go to town a whole lot. We didn't go to school in town. Mm -hmm. So it can get to be lonely and, and you're kind of alone with your thoughts all the time. Well, sometimes breaking that up and going to town and thinking about somebody else's problems and, and trying to solve other issues aren't inside your head are a relief. Absolutely. There's value in that. There's value in you being a part of something else too. And for me, I know that it's helped me on my farm job, on my farm operation to take some of the lessons, especially some of the human resources things that I've learned from being a manager at a job in town to apply to my family and apply to my my life here and maybe make things just a little bit more streamlined. Yeah. We mentioned earlier, you know, it's even better if your job is somehow related to your farm business or like could provide a benefit for it. Sometimes there's agricultural nonprofits. There are other ag-related jobs out there, especially in agricultural communities. And so it's sometimes you can find something that you can do that actually provides a great benefit to your farm business. And also there's the time, like, you know, when you're not on the farm, you can think about the farm differently. And, you know, sometimes that maybe it's windshield time, you know, something like that. They always talk about working on the business without working in the business. Well, you know, sometimes that off-farm experience can give you the time or or opportunity to, to think about your business without the financial pressure of having to you know, necessarily be making a decision about it that minute. Well, Ben, I, we're running a little bit short on time here today. So first of all, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down and record a conversation with me. So thank you again for that. And uh, second, are you online? Do you engage in social media much? Yes, I do. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I do have a Twitter account, but I rarely use it. I do most of my stuff on Facebook and Instagram. And then I do have a couple of websites. My cattle website is holtcreekjerseys.com, H-O-L-T, holtcreekjerseys.com. And then food farm food business is Davey Road Ranch. Com. So it's just the name Dave with a Y at the end, Davey Road Ranch. So those, I try to keep those up. Yeah, it's been great. We'll link those in the show notes. Well, Ben, again, I really appreciate you coming on here today. It's been fun. I know I gained something from this conversation and I hope to talk to you again in the future. Yes, thank you, Jason. I was glad to do it and I'd love to talk again. Yep, anytime. Next week on the show, we have Michelle Jones. Michelle is a wife and a mother and a grain farmer from Montana. Michelle's been very open online about her struggles with anxiety and depression. She's taken action to help reduce the stigma surrounding mental health and ag by, first of all, among other things, she has a very comprehensive mental health resource page on her website. So we talked to Michelle in detail about a lot of the things that she does. It was a very cool conversation as Michelle is one of the first people I reached out to to be a guest on the show. So pretty exciting episode for me. Be sure to check it out next Monday. Until then, I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and this has been the Ag State of Mind podcast. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.